With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. The Phaeton is a train. I don't know if you, I don't know if you last time you drove it. <laughs> I know this. I just everybody else doesn't quite know this it's yet. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It it I I was funny. driving last night through a nasty sideways snowstorm really late at night. Okay. All right. And I realized I, I was just driving. I was comfortably driving, and I realized I'm passing people like they're parked on the freeway. Really? I really ought to slow Winter down. Winter tires, yeah. all wheel drive, it's and just the weight of that thing. It just doesn't care. It just doesn't care. That's it great. Just, it's irrelevant to that car. So I've been driving that. I'm so glad that you wind, like it. Weather. Honestly, I, I I'm just glad that it's running. <laughs> well, there's the tolerance level, and yes. then there's actual like, and I think both of us actually like our cheap. Crazy big sedans. What I what I've been genuinely surprised by is that this is a phenomenal winter car. Yeah, yeah, it really is, huh? You know, just lots That's of cool. space, heated seats, gets nice and warm, runs well, and it just is weather irrelevant. Now I say That's that great. I say that as huge as it is. <laughs> the few times that I've lost any kind of traction is genuinely terrifying. Oh, I'm sure. You feel that weight all of a sudden. Because it is a monster yeah. all of a sudden yeah. that is now out of control. I've just had little kind of tiny slippage, but I've got winter tires on and a ton of weight, which I think I think the weight actually pushes Great. in through the snow past the, the edge yeah. of the pavement. I think I'm somehow – I think I'm leaving marks <laughs> in the pavement. It melds the tires yeah, to the for asphalt. for sure. Anyway. That's funny. I had the Maserati out today, and it's just – when it's clear and dry at about 37 degrees, 34 degrees, somewhere in there – it just drives normally fast. Yeah. I'm going yeah. fast everywhere. It's yeah, great. Yeah, for sure. It's so for much sure. fun. I, I keep looking at the Lotus. I have the Lotus parked, and I have my <laughs> snowblower behind the Lotus, which is sad. And I found well, myself today I found myself today uh, researching mountain bikes, and I realized, huh, apparently I went winter over. I want to be in the Lotus and drive the mountain bike or ride the mountain bike, but that's so okay. Cool. It's all right. It's coming. It's coming. Don't it worry. Is. We're still having a phenomenal winter, and we have a yeah. very cool episode six coming up for yeah. this season. Yeah, it's not sure. quite here yet, but it is a very cool piece where we drive that uh, Miata RF on winter tires versus an SUV, and we have a big discussion about all-wheel drive and sports cars in the snow, and this was an episode shot in the snow. Yeah, for sure. And I'm very excited sure. about that. Uh, thank you guys for your responses to uh, the TV season so far. Episode five is coming up this week. Sorry, week five, episode four. This is the big sedan episode. It's good I brought up the Phaeton. That's right. That's you brought right. up the Maserati because this yep. coming Saturday is those two They're old featured. boys versus the new boys. It's a very fun episode. Well, speaking about this episode six that you just brought up, the SUV that we drove in the episode is a Nissan Rogue, mm-hmm. brand new 2020 Nissan yep, Rogue. That relates. And today's podcast is still the continuation of the best of series, mm-hmm. but we're pausing for a while and spending a lot of time on Nissan because of the reason, mm-hmm. the, all the reasons. So we're going to hopefully get Nissan and Porsche done as well. Yes. And yes, then we've yes. got a really cool car debate I think uh, was pretty interesting and yeah, very, very thought-provoking. That's Doug uh, near NYC, New York City. Mm-hmm. And then a myriad of questions, guys. The questions just keep getting better. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you're doing it. So thank you for the amazing social media questions. Lots to cover there. I don't think we'll get all those done, but we'll still continue to push and, we, and work we on We won't, them. but for you to know, this is episode, what, 471? 471. Isn't that amazing? 471 yeah. episodes of, of us talking. Keeps cranking but along. When we get to 475, that is going to be an all-questions podcast. 
That is going to be car questions. We're not going to do one of our crazy ones, but 475 will be an all-question podcast a little over a week away. So some of these questions that are that are backing up, keep those in mind. If you had one that hasn't been answered, you really want to get it covered. That is covering – that will get covered then. Also, also, thank you, by the way. You guys are rating and reviewing the podcast. I see that. I forget yeah. to mention it, yeah. and I mention it, and you guys respond. And I want to say it again because we keep getting reminded of it. It's your ratings and reviews. No matter how many are already there, you have to keep feeding the beast, apparently. Your ratings <laughs> yeah. and reviews keep this podcast in the top 10. Help other people find it. We appreciate those ratings. Also, that applies to Amazon for our new season. If you've watched mm-hmm. the new season on Amazon, that is yeah. dropping now. And uh, that works everywhere. Anywhere you can rate us and review us, that helps more people find us. All right, we're jumping in. A few of the ground rules reminders for this best of series. Mm. That is going back about a decade for the best of from each manufacturer, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't just include their sports cars and their fun cars. It it can include any car that either Todd or I think of as a best of car for, like I said, about a decade back. Best in its segment, essentially. You know, a lot of them you can still buy today. And that does bring us to Nissan, Mm -hmm. where we have have um, many thoughts. As a matter of fact, there's an email (laughs) here that we got a while back from, we'll we'll call him Dave. And Dave and his wife live in the Nashville area. His wife works for Nissan at their corporate headquarters. Mm -hmm. And he would love to hear our thoughts on the direction the company should take. And he said, there's a lot of new product coming out, but they have issues that abound. Mm. So the question Mm. to us from Dave is, what is the future of Nissan in North America or worldwide? He's curious to hear our thoughts. So this is going to be not just what are the best of cars from Nissan, but also a little bit of corporate product planning on the the part of Todd and I here. It's it's you and I actually sitting down and saying, what do we think Nissan should do? Which is crazy to think about because we haven't done that with other manufacturers. We are going to tear that down quite a bit right now. Maybe that was a... A little bit of foreshadowing. I said tear it down. But uh, but I've got many thoughts. I know you do as well. I'm very curious about this. And then we contrast that with Porsche, who does a lot of things right. <laughs> they do. These are the two they're going to get they covered. Do. It's going to be quite interesting. If you've got more cars than garage space, and we suspect you do, then you need to protect them with a custom car cover from Covercraft. We recommend the NOAA custom car cover. They're each made to fit your car perfectly, and they resist moisture, but they also breathe to eliminate condensation. They've got a four-layer protection for all weather conditions, and they protect your car from UV rays, too. The NOAA covers even have a soft inner layer. They're made in the USA, and they come with a four-year warranty. In the worst winds we've seen, the NOAA cover stays put. I had one on the Lancer, and it kept the paint pristine in all conditions. Paul wore one out over nine years of daily use with his Audi Avant, and people always asked how he kept it so nice. Plus, with Covercraft, you can defend your interior against kids, dogs, spills, and any weekend adventure in mud and snow with custom seat covers from Covercraft. Have the nicest car all winter long with help from our friends at Covercraft. You can get 10% off your custom car cover and any other Covercraft product by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com to keep your car looking its best. There's an interesting overview from Nolan Sykes on Donut Media. He produced a video talking about the elements about what he thinks should change at Nissan. Mm. And uh, I just recently watched it. It's a great watch. Highly recommended because he does touch on the past. And how did we get here? How did we get to the place where we are with Nissan? 
the the corporate craziness aside, but how do we get to where we feel like Nissan isn't giving enthusiasts what they want? From CVTs to a lack of refresh for the 370 and the GTR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did we arrive at this point, this beloved name? Mm-hmm. And so we want to break this down. And also, we got a question over here on Instagram today from J.R. Schultz and said, looks like 2021 will bring a new Z car, finally, we'll with a turbo V6. So will mm-hmm. this... Will just a turbo V6 in the Z car make Nissan an enthusiast brand again? I don't think it, if it's powered by unicorn farts and customer service. Both of these are very mysterious entities. I don't care. It, that doesn't make a new car company. Well, but also a new Z car with 400 horsepower doesn't mean they did the Z car right either. And I want to break that down because I have many, many thoughts Jump on in. the upcoming Jump in right there. Okay, I will. They're talking about the fact that there was the red 400 versions. We talked about it recently mm-hmm. at Infinity. Okay. Red 400 versions, which is essentially a 400 horsepower twin turbo V6. Sounds awesome. Very cool engine that could wind up in the new Z car. Great. Yeah. But we have, we have passed the place. Where sports cars, frankly, even muscle cars, are no longer sold on just power. The only mm-hmm. car that I think yeah. gets away with it right now is Tesla products and Hellcat products. <laughs> Everything yeah. else has to do more than have lots of power. So 400 horsepower sounds juicy and all, but and it would be a nice progression in the Z car lineup. We go from 370, what do we do? We go to a bigger number, and the new number is 400. I get that everything's supposed to be bigger and better, and how do we market it? needs to be bigger. I get that. I don't think 400 horsepower is the thing that's going to make it good. It needs to be Agreed, there. really good dynamics, really excellent six-speed manual stick shift available. Now, yes, by the way, keep yes. this in mind. The 370Z pioneered the rev match thing that has become quite common. That's a good point. On the Nismo 370. They had it turn on, turn off. They they introduced it. It was very, very cool. Synchro rev match from them was, it was a big thing at the time. That car is <clears throat> more than a decade old. We, we made the comment before. <laughs> it was the 40th anniversary Z car. It is also the 50th anniversary Z car. There's a problem there, isn't there? I, I, I will say, I bet you there were people at Nissan, and maybe they're even listening, that fought for the new Z car to be out for the 50th, and they lost. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely believe that. Exactly. Of course. Of course that So happened. I wish it had been out for the 50th, but it wasn't. So we still have the 370, which is uh, long in the tooth is an understatement. It's, it's got fangs <laughs> yeah. now. Anyway, yeah. so that so what I here's the thing I'm concerned about. I think that new Z car is going to come out and aim for the Supra, and I think that's wrong. I know historically it went with the Supra. I know in the '90s it went. You with think the that's Supra. not the right direction? Is what you're saying? I think it's going to be too expensive. Mm. It's going to be expensive enough mm. to get close enough to the Cayman that you now have a problem. This is the Supra's problem as well. What is the Supra's main issue? And we liked the Supra. The Supra is episode one of season six. You can see it on Amazon now. It is rerunning on cable soon. We really like the Supra. The Supra's yeah. problem is it very publicly states the Cayman is its benchmark. When the 370 came out, it very publicly stated the Cayman is its benchmark. The, the true, thinking is true. we're trying to get close for almost as much money. But the Cayman's been around long enough now that you can get a used Cayman for less than their new price that theoretically will drive better than the car they've just introduced. That is a difficult target. I okay. think it should be aimed right at the 86 and the, and, the, and the Camaro Mustangs of the world. We should be shooting for 25 to 35 grand, not 60 to 70, which I think is where it's going to be. Mm. At, 60 to 70, at 60 to 70, you've got some stiff competition up there. You're close to the Cayman. You've got the Supra. The C8 is up there. 
this is difficult competition. Interesting. And you're away from the average enthusiast as well, which can make a car a hit. 25 to 35, you can get folks with first-time jobs. You can get spoiled rich kids. You can get guys wanting to buy a midlife crisis car. You can get people with lots of money that just go, that car looks cool. You get that whole swath. Mm -hmm. This is who buys Camaros and Mustangs. Everybody buys Camaros and Mustangs because this is the sweet spot of where they are. The current Z car is in this price point. I'm worried about it jumping twenty grand and pricing itself out. I think it should aim to be the bigger, better 86. I think it should be 3,000 pounds. I'm worried it's going to be 400 horsepower and 3,500 or 3,700 pounds. Yeah. I think it should be 3,000 yeah. pounds. Horsepower, 300 is fine. Light, glorious handling, and you can get a nice one for thirty grand. That's what I'd like that car to be. And when I hear four hundred horsepower, and knowing that the new Supra's out, I'm thinking it's going to be heavy and sixty grand. And I'm worried about that. Interesting. I actually agree with you completely. And I think I know the answer to this before I ask, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it anyway. And I haven't quite decided yet. But should that new Z car introduce mid-engine or stay mm. front? It could be front mid-engine. We know, you know, the 86 is almost kind of like that. The yeah, Supra yeah. is kind of like that. So yeah, it could yeah, be yeah. in that platform, but should it be mid-engine like a Cayman to introduce, hey, a new generation, a new direction? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of personally thinking no, but I'm I'm just asking. I don't think they have the ability to make that jump. But I, but I come not. back to my no. much-loved Z32 generation, the 90s yeah. 300ZX that almost looked mid-engine while being front. Mhm. Yeah, they could they could do something my, like make it a front mid engine. My other concern is that it's going to just look like a slightly revised design of the current one. Yeah, that's my I'd fear. I'd like to see that's a, my fear. I'd like to see this is the new Z car and it doesn't look like the three fifty and the three seventy look very related. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I don't want to see the three ninety or the four hundred or whatever it's called that looks like, oh, you took that and you made it again. No, just this was this is the greatest thing about that Z thirty two. And I wish so many more car makers would do that. They have a storied name and they go, What do we want it to look like? Mm-hmm. Now, what did it look like prior? Mm-hmm. Because that's what happened with the Z thirty two. All the ones prior were the long nose reminiscent of the old E type Jag. Very much. Yeah. They got to sure. that one and I don't know why. I genuinely don't know why. The corporate thinking was, we're going to go totally different. We're going to take the name. We're going to move on with the name. People are going to love it. And it's still, uh, this is not me talking. This is people that know what they're talking about. Still discussed as one of the best designs ever. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it throws out the history of the design of the Z platform. My thinking is, make a beautiful car that is somewhat affordable, and you will not be able to make them fast enough. Hmm. Interesting. I, I like this. I want to talk a little bit more about Nissan as a whole. And I, I do like what you're talking about as far as the next sports car, because Nissan cannot let it drop. Mm-hmm. We cannot become, you know, anything close to just, we, we make a bunch of cars for everybody. And so I want to get in on identity and start okay. off with all identity right. because that's crucial. And as you all know, there's been a major ongoing scandal. that's created all sorts of opinions about a car company. Think about this. People that have never before cared about cars or Nissan now have an opinion about the former CEO, Carlos Ghosn. (laughs) About the – this is the – They never before cared about cars. The new Nissan CEO travel platform? It it is. It's it's the travel program. Can I sign up for the travel program, please? I can climb in that box. Oh, that's awful. You have a piano box? I can get in there. Oh, you're awful. Well, you know. You're awful. Now, 
Nissan has a lot of important established names mm-hmm. and numbers of mm-hmm. cars. So when you hear these names, I'm going to read a short list. And when you hear them, they're going to evoke memories. They're going to carry deep love. You're going to remember first loves in cars yep. and first drives. I have thoughts on two or three, I bet, of the ones They connect with yeah. enthusiasts. Now, get this. Nissan, I think, in my opinion, is among the handful of car companies who have the best names for their cars. They do Hands down, right. yeah, yeah. of every car manufacturer in history, they have come up with the best names mm. for cars. They do have a lot of numerical and alphanumeric designations, but names, Skyline, GTR, Fairlady, and all the Z cars, the Sylvia, mm. the 180 mm-hmm. SX, and the 240, the Roadster, the Datsun Roadster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about the Pathfinder? That's just a cool it's name. It's a great name. You're right. Absolutely right. The Patrol, the Nissan Patrol in all mm. the deserts of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's the Maxima and Altima and Sentra, all very Nissan unique. Yes. And I think yes. the Leaf is on there too. Yeah. That just sort of like, wow, Nissan came up with this cool thing and it's the Leaf and huh. It's, and we still look at it as sort of a, well, they kind of started something It's one there. of the best electric car names. It really is very good. It's, it's obvious. It's very obvious, yeah. So as far as our decade is concerned, for me, the GTR and the 370Z Nismo and the Leaf are on that list. Okay, you did put the Leaf on. All right. The rest of them are kind of forgettable, not because of the names, but because of the cars themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there's some soul that's been lost in the company. Also, think about this. Nissan has ownerships and partnerships of brands in the form of Renault and Mitsubishi, not to mention Datsun and Infiniti. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Outlander selling like crazy. And a quick side note, we're currently driving a Mitsubishi 2020 Outlander plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. Yes. Both Todd and I have driven this. Jumping away from Nissan for a second. It's, yes. um, <clears throat> it's an electric crossover. Mm-hmm. It has battery capability. It has some of the switch gear that Todd's <clears throat> 2010 Lancer does. Th- think of it honestly. It is, it is very similar in thinking to the Chevy Volt. It's a Volt, and I think it does the similar things to the Insight, the Honda Insight that you and yes, I like. Yes, absolutely, which is all, all the same, same technology, kind of essentially. Yeah. You don't have to plug it in. Right. It can be charged by the gasoline motor and the way you use it, and, the, and you can set up the regenerative braking because you're going down a hill now, and you can save your electric for later. All things that the Insight would do, that the Volt would do, it is, honestly, it is very well executed in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem I have with it, and, and, and the interior is decent. It's got good. It's got good space in general. <laughs> You're decent. <laughs> you, you 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 hear me caveating because uh-huh. here's my problem with this with this truck, having driven it quite a bit actually. I keep thinking when I drive it, everything in here just works. Yeah, everything in here works well. It works like it's supposed to. It it seems like a very usable car for right now. Meaning I can go. I, I drove my son to school in full electric mode. Okay, picked good. him up full electric mode. Good, great. Then you turn the gas motor on and off you go and you're charging it. I didn't, never plugged the car in. It's nice. fine. So all of that works. It's very usable for right now. The thing I find interesting and weird about it, it is it's uphill battle. And I think it relates somewhat back to the Nissan product. What have you overlooked to get there? Okay. There, there, if in the, in the vacuum of the Mitsubishi product line, make <laughs> us a, a partial uh, – electric, an electric plug-in hybrid that also can be charged by the gas. Make us that technology. It checks, I bet you, every single box the design department was given. I bet you it checks them all. It does really yeah, well at everything probably. I bet you they set out probably. to do. There's nothing about it that stand out. Everything about it is good, solid, well done. 
I don't understand why you wound up at your Mitsubishi dealer buying it unless they gave you huge cash on the hood because it's unremarkable and it's also well done. Interestingly, this car starts at $36,000 and the one we have is tops out fully loaded at 43000 and change. Mm-hmm. If you're spending $43,000, you have mm-hmm. options in the market. And in the United States, Mitsubishi currently offers four models for sale and you could kind of fudge it and actually kind of go with three, but they're selling. They're, they're absolutely selling. And so this ties in all this thinking because I'm with you from, from a metric standpoint, that outlander P H E V GT S all wheel drive it has way too many words on this page. Here. Too many letters yeah. and numbers. So yeah, it does things well. It's mm-hmm. fine, but that's just it. It's fine. That's, that's a problem. It's not compelling. I don't yes. come away with it as a compelling choice. And so we've got Mitsubishi, an entire company and infrastructure under the banner of Nissan. So they need to reestablish who they are as a company and as a culture. First of all, what kinds of cars does Nissan build? Let's redefine Nissan. Mm -hmm. Who are you? What do we build? Because Nissan pretty much offers something in every category. They do. But it's not a standout in any category. That's a problem. Including the sports cars. And you can write me angry letters about the GTR. Ten years ago, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Everybody caught up and then passed the GTR as far as value and performance, while, all of that. While the GC- GTR got much more expensive every single year. Mm-hmm. You can spend $200,000 on a GTR now. Which negates the whole beauty of what the GTR represented. Yes. It does all the stuff. It beats all the Porsches and all the stuff. It'll never be invited to the exotics party. Mm-hmm. And it does it all for eighty grand. Yep. And it beats them all. Yep. Those times are behind us now, folks. So I ask, it's a rhetorical question. It's for Nissan employees. It's for us. It's for you listening. Mm -hmm. What kind of cars do you build? It's time to pare down the portfolio Mm -hmm. and then build it back up. Mm. You can't have a comeback until you admit you're down. Celebrities have meltdowns. Musicians have meltdowns. (laughs) Professional athletes have meltdowns. Yeah, you're right. And companies have meltdowns. Just a few years ago, Lincoln had nothing. And suddenly they have an identity. Matthew mm. McConaughey aside. <laughs> Their identity is not Matthew McConaughey, but, we can, but he is connected. We yes. can no longer joke yeah. and say, Lincoln, nothing to see here because they actually have some pretty good they looking do. stuff. They do. And they're selling and they're kind of coming back and they've turned themselves around as a brand. We have a Nissan Rogue in our sixth episode of this season. And I want to stop on the Nissan Rogue for a second and discuss to what you're talking about. Because it is one of the top five or six best selling vehicles in the U.S., it is far and away the best-selling thing that Nissan sells. It's amazing. We drove a loaded model, all-wheel drive. We drove it for a week in mm-hmm. every condition you can imagine, including really nasty, difficult, snowy roads. It, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect for the piece. Did great. It's in this category, though, of it is an excellent B student. <laughs> absolutely. They're nice. They're courteous. They, uh, they operate and do, does everything you ask of them. There is nothing stand out and remarkable. That is the world's yeah. shortest parent-teacher meeting. Your child is fine. <laughs> Thank you. Next. That, that defines their whole product portfolio. It's a solid effort. Good job. Solid effort. There's nothing wrong with the Rogue. There's, nothing, there's genuinely there really nothing isn't. wrong with the Rogue. Yes. There's also nothing profound about it. There's nothing like, oh, my gosh, did you see? The, did you, have you discovered? There isn't an end to that sentence. The mm-hmm. Rogue's just fine. And, it, and I actually want to point squarely at the CVT in Nissan. Okay. They've put it at every, in everything yeah. that they make with the exception of the Z car and the GTR. 
that brings with it. I understand the reasons for CVTs, continuously variable transmissions. I get it. But that brings a blandness with it. Those transmissions in general, any, any manufacturer that puts them in things, it brings a blandness with it. And they have said everything gets, you get a CVT, you get a CVT, everybody gets one, mm-hmm. which is a problem, which leads me to two cars I want to speak to in contrast, but I'm curious if you want to go somewhere first. I want to hear these cars. Go. Okay. All right. Well, I want to talk about the other bestseller at Nissan, the Altima. Okay. The Altima is, uh, if you don't know, it is, they fly off the, off the lots. They sell really, really well. I've known a few people that have owned them. They just run. Mm-hmm. They are a fantastic, affordable, mid-sized front-wheel drive sedan. Here's the problem. What do you do with the Maxima? The Altima's gotten bigger. It's gotten a little bit pricier. It's gotten nicer. It has crowded the, Ma- the Maxima's place so much that the Maxima is irrelevant. Think about the last time you saw a new Maxima on the road. Like, that person just bought a Maxima. When was the last time you saw one? And, and to put it another way, when you may have seen one recently. Did you bother to count how many Altimas went by you prior? Of course. Yeah, right. So right. the Maxima was originally out in the 90s as the four-door sports car. That was how it was marketed originally. Mm-hmm. Let's go there. Let's Come on, Nissan. Let's go there for real. Take stuff you've got from Infinity. Make the Maxima rear-wheel drive. Because it bring that it, bring it's that. completely overlapped by what the Ultima does in look, material, all of it. The, what they've been trying to do with the Maxima for the last few generations is just make it the Ultima's crazier looking brother. It's a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, mm-hmm. the Ultima just blows it away. So let's embrace it. Let's go rear wheel drive sedan in the Nissan lineup with the Maxima badge, the four door sports car. You're competing with a completely different world now. Put a decent engine in it, offer it with a manual transmission. Not always, but it's either a manual transmission or an actual automatic. Both those things get it away from the Altima because the Altima is over here with a front-wheel drive CVT. Rear-wheel drive, real six-speed automatic or real six-speed manual, a decent engine. Look who you're competing with now. Genesis G70. Nobody's bringing the Altima to cross shop against that. Yeah, I like that. The 3 Series, the Alpha Julia. Where's the Maxima? Where's the Japanese car there? The Maxima needs to be there, guys. Hello? That's great. I like that. All right. So switching thoughts to the product planning headspace mm-hmm. from a corporate restructuring. In, in any it. restructuring, what are the departments that can't be chopped? R&D and sales, right? Mm-hmm. Can't touch those. And despite Nissan's slogan about innovation that excites, innovation is sort of given away to you know just hanging out. You're just rent-seeking right now. You're just hanging out, doing not a lot. Innovation's on a smoke break. <laughs> it kind of is. We like him. He's good. He's out of smoking. Rededicate yourselves to quality. Out quality everyone else. This will take money and time. Maybe you need to stop producing some of your models and this will free up some money. But I, I know there's a lot of people depending on Nissan mm-hmm, for their mm-hmm. livelihood. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be easy. The Nissan San Diego design studio is full of talented and dedicated people. I'm sure the studios and engineering departments worldwide are the same way. They've got a lot of passionate people that work for them, but leadership that is being newly installed needs to give a halftime speech that rallies Everyone to be proud of <laughs> Nissan again because of all the yeah. the shots, the body shots Nissan and Renault are taking through this whole mess. Mm-hmm. It's okay to pull back and go backpacking around the world for six months to rediscover yourself. <laughs> this is what like every <laughs> Nissan employee needs to do. Like, Nissan's at a hostel in Europe somewhere. Hasn't showered in a week. <laughs> telling you. Beard. <laughs> unshaven anything. Uh, here's, here's the deal. Quit all your motorsports activities, stop all your partnerships with Uber, reestablish a new design language that that is different than this fussy, ugly garbage that pretty much permeates all the new lineup. And it's like, well, the the Altima has to look like the Maxima. Well, the center has to look like the Altima. Stop. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
Go hide for a while. Go figure yourselves out. Because we, as car enthusiasts, everybody listening, are rooting for Nissan. So this is the big opportunity to, as you said, get rid of the CVTs once and for all. We're willing to give you a fresh start because everybody loves a comeback. Yeah, but I think some cars can have CVTs. But let's I make don't. cars that don't. I, look, I understand the marketing Kick reasons. The CVT the, I, to the curb. I, I don't like them either, but I see why certain cars and certain lineups have it. Have them. I'm sorry, I'm saying it again. I have to say it again. By the way, rear wheel drive Maxima. I like hi, that idea. Hi. My question is: Is it time to change the culture at Nissan? What's the new and better way of doing things? People need to be trained and encouraged to be successful without the CEO telling them what to do. I have this idea that is about a half baked idea, and I'm welcome to thoughts. It's okay. not fully formed. Okay. Love it. Go after home builders. Sekasui House in Japan is Japan's largest home builder, and they now own Woodside Homes in America. How about you collaborate with these home builders to explore what you think the future of the relationship between houses and apartments and cars will be? Mm. So is Nissan going to be a leader in electric cars? Is that what you guys decide? Is you know mm. Tesla explores the power wall over here and solar shingles, and they've got all that okay. stuff going yeah, yeah. on as far as yeah, yeah. the relationship between how we live and the car we own. Mm. Go, go explore that for a while. What, what do you think? Maybe it is just we build garages on houses, and we have cars, and that's it. So you give us some really quality product and some compelling okay. products that we want to drive. But ultimately, what is the reason? <laughs> yes to put a Nissan into your life. Mm. What is that? Because mm. if they're a B-plus student in every car they offer, what, why should I buy that? Yeah. I mean, somebody is. The rogues are flying off the shelf. They are. They are. So the future electric Nissan sports car could be called the Fugitive. You'll never know it's left until it's gone. <laughs> oh, no. We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products... Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. In fact, many of Griot's first customers were collector cars displayed at Pebble Beach. And they're a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and budget. In fact, Paul learned his crazy certified Paul-owned car care style directly from Griot's. We've used Griot's Garage car care products on our own cars for over 20 years, and we wouldn't use anything else. If you're wondering how to get going, they offer free training and techniques through their videos and their website and starter kits that will help your car look its best. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all the liquid products are made right here in the USA. They offer 100% lifetime guarantee, so give them a try. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 10% off your order. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Jumping into Porsche, there's... Well, pretty much you, you go to Porsche.com and you select the country you live in mm-hmm. and then all the, the vehicles that they make, those are the ones. That, that, that's <laughs> it, the ones on my list. It is funny you say that because I made a note here where I said to some degree I would recommend everything they sell. And I don't know that there's another manufacturer out there where I feel that way. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that everything they sell is done exactly as I hoped it would be. And I that's want to a, talk that's to a some fair of those, statement. but they make a good version of everything. Okay, let's talk about the Macan, because the mm-hmm. Macan is actually a question mark in my mind. It's fine, mm-hmm. but I never found an amazing connection to the Macan. It's, I never did. It drives better than any little, small, five-seat CUV should. It drives phenomenally well. It does. It does. But it is essentially a glorified lifted hatchback. That's and kind of why I didn't really gravitate towards and it. And I think that the Cayenne is the more usable. I really went and bought an SUV. Mm-hmm. So it fills a market segment. They can't make them fast enough. I get it. I've driven it. We've driven it. It's very, very good. And it drives phenomenally well. But I sit here and go, 
it's 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 right in the middle of the Panamera and the and the Cayenne. Yeah, I mean it's designed to do that exactly. Panamera is fantastic, and, and it's the, and it's the size fantastic. everybody's buying. Look, it I is. under I it understand. Is. The marketing brief and the reason that Porsche makes it, and I'm not surprised they sell so well, and it is excellent, but it is the last car in the lineup I would ever gravitate toward. Yeah, funny enough. Okay, so some standouts, the GT2 RS 911. Well, yeah, okay. But also the variants of the Cayman. The yep. GTSs, the GT4s, those are, of course, on my list. Mm-hmm. Extol their virtues. I, How much longer it, can we extol their virtues? Yeah, I've said it before, and honestly, I stand on it. The Boxster and Cayman may be the best execution of the mid-engine platform ever. And as of cars available right now, it is the mid-engine to buy to have all the mid-engine goodness and almost none of the scariness. In reliability, in even used. random... Even I'll even go used. Yes, I will absolutely. Add in random snap oversteer. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is, now they've been out long enough. The Boxster and Cayman's been out long enough. If you want to bring one hundred and fifty grand, you can buy one loaded to the gills. If you want to bring fifteen grand, you can find an old one. Think yeah. about that for a second. <laughs> Boxster and Cayman, what is your budget? Go buy one. You will enjoy it. And our experience has been that Porsches, while expensive to maintain, when you have to get something done, it's probably 20 25% more expensive than if you've done that same thing on another car. Sure, sure. But random stuff doesn't break. Generally, there are exceptions. Sure. Generally, they just run. They have a perception with a lot of other automakers, some many German automakers are in this perception, that random stuff's going to break. And the older they get, the more random stuff's going to break. Generally, if you maintain them, they just keep running, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. And I've had that experience. You've had that experience. So Boxster and Cayman, think about the fact that whatever your budget is, you can probably buy one, which is nuts. I also think that those four cylinders are going to plummet. I think they're going to be the buy. I like a the four cylinder. Yep. I do. I just like them. The Panamera has been great since it was launched as a car to drive. <clears throat> it hasn't <laughs> looked good until this latest redesign. And the Gran Turismo yeah. is how it should have been from the beginning with the actual wagon back. The Sport Turismo, yeah, sport, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sport Gran Turismo. I thing just saw is the just, Taycan oh, so Sport Turismo being teased Ooh. by spy photographers. Okay, all right. The Taycan Sport Turismo. If you haven't seen the new Super Bowl commercial for Porsche, you need to see it. It is phenomenally good. Starts at the uh, actual <laughs> uh, Porsche Museum in in Germany. It's very cool. So the SUV of choice is definitely the kind. I love the Cayenne, not just because I own one, but every time I drive one and drive stuff around, I'm like Cayenne's awesome. I'm now going to say the thing that's going to get stuff thrown at me. The best 911s are behind us. I might throw something at you. Here. I know you might. Looking Here's, around for things to throw at you. Yes, the GT2 RS is phenomenal, and it's on my list of, you've got to be kidding me, if only I could have one cars. So that kind of breaks what I'm saying. But here's the thing. People are talking about the 992, the current 911 being big. It got big at the 991. It did. The 992 did. is not when it got big. Sure. It is big enough now that, honestly, it looks like they made the two-door variant of the current Panamera. Fair enough. It is a big car. And my favorite was, and it's still in this 10-year uh, swath, if you think about it, the last waning breaths of the 997. Okay. That's my favorite 911. It's the right size. It still has hydraulic steering. That, to me, is the, is the right size 911. Hmm. This does not mean. I've driven the 991 in various flavors. We've driven the 992. We've driven the GT2 RS, which is just unbelievable. I st- yeah, I still can't believe that. They are phenomenal to drive. Okay. And when you drive one, you keep thinking, Porsche just does this well, don't they? You just keep kind of sitting there going, I, I see why people love these, but I can't get past the fact it got big. It got, just got big for a car that was never big. And so I stand on the 997 as the best. 
Interesting. Okay. I, I, I give you that and perfectly valid. I will offer up a counterpoint. And that is the thing that no other car company on the planet does as well as Porsche. And that is make their cars drive smaller than they actually are. Uh, fair. They are very good at that. The You're Panamera right. is a great example of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it still applies to the 992. Mm-hmm. The faster, harder you drive that 911, it still gets smaller than the physical size. So despite a physical size and despite the weight because of airbags and electronics and wiring harnesses, all that stuff adds up. It really does. Completely. That, on the other hand, leaves them room for 25 variants of the 911 to reduce the weight and sell it to you for more money. (laughs) That's a good business decision. This is the lighter one. You have to check that box. It's got a comma in it. Yeah. (laughs) It actually, it took me a while to really warm to the 992. And it didn't solidify for me until I drove it. And I thought, well, here we go. Another Porsche that drives smaller than its size. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's okay. a that's the thing that only Porsche, not only Porsche, but the thing that they do the best of any other manufacturer. They do it very, very well. They do it across the board in their whole lineup. You're right. You're right about the that. The other interesting thing is it's made the Cayman, probably my favorite car ever, mm-hmm. so good. And those are now in the sweet spot. Those are now they, the right size. They really Absolutely. are. Yep. Yep, yep. It's also, I think, kind of left them a tiny little bit of room just below the Cayman for something even smaller, even lighter. Agreed. Bring in that 550 back. Bring in something mm-hmm. back that is still, mm-hmm. okay, it still costs a lot of money. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. It's a Porsche. But something that really is stripped down lightweight because of the, the people who are buying them. And this is something Ferrari went through. Mm-hmm. The people who are actually buying 911s want it to be a little bit bigger. They want it to just... You yeah. know, be more of yeah. a GT car. So that's why the Cayman has come up, and that's why I think they've left room right mm. down here you send out for your, a third sports car. I love it. You send out your owner survey, and everybody checks the box. for. I'd like a little more space. You know, honestly— And that is the what, problem with the 992. It is. Totally. What, but what, fortunately, they drive small. What is the new 944? What if Porsche Ooh. made a new front-engine, rear-drive, uh, 86Z car Camaro fighter? Something around thirty to forty grand. What if they made that car? What would that be? Uh, that's interesting. Front engine, front mid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it competes against the new Nissan Z car. <laughs> I was going to say the Z car, the Camaro, the Mustang, the huh. eighty six. It's in that category. It, you you buy one. It's listed from Porsche because it's Porsche. It would say twenty nine 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 nine. And then the minute you check any boxes, it's already thirty six mm-hmm. to breathe yeah. on it. And the way you want it is probably forty five. But still, I've seen people toying with the new 914 coming out or something like that. You know, that'd be cool. Real, real tiny. That'd be cool. Like Fiat X19 size. Yeah, tiny. for sure. I, I would love it if Porsche would go down market. I don't think they're going to because I don't think there's money in it, honestly. I mean, like I said, the money's in Cayennes and Macans. It is. It is. And, you know, yeah, it's more Cayennes and Macans and Panameras than it is 911s, but mm-hmm. the 911 has to exist. And, you know, they're exploring new technologies, all that stuff. But what about this super lightweight, super duper, and it's still 50, 60 grand? We'd all be like, okay, I still want one. <laughs> I guess Fine. I'll have one. I suppose if you have to twist my arm. Still aspire to one. When we're searching for cars for you, local or nationwide, our searches start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and then search them all at once. With Auto Tempest, you enter your search one time and see local or nationwide results from Cars.com, TrueCar, eBay, and many more. Or you can jump to Craigslist, Auto Trader, or Car Gurus without entering anything new. And they just added a link to Facebook Marketplace too. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. 
So if you're doing your drive homework, chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease, head to autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Douglas B. near New York City is writing to us with his situation all figured out. So we don't need to do his car debate, and we're going to move on. Yeah, thanks for writing, Doug. Yeah, (laughs) He says, well, actually, maybe I don't. His current cars are a 2011 Audi A4 and a 1980 Fiat Spider. Like it. Okay. All right. The Audi is the daily, currently has 134,000 miles, and the Fiat is the midlife crisis car and looks (laughs) great on the outside. (laughs) See photo attached. Oh, no. Some other details. He lives with his long-term girlfriend and a 60-pound dog just north of New York City, and a big hill leading to their house dictates that the daily driver be all-wheel drive for the winter. Okay. His daily commute is about 20 miles, but he also has, he has to drive into New York City to meet with clients. Mm-hmm. So think street parking, think pike parking lots. He fits in most things based on his size. Now, he's not asked, <laughs> but he has been told that if he were to ask... <laughs> <laughs> I love the way ease is way in here. Keep going. Tiptoeing. The yeah. total number of cars he will be allowed to own at once is two. Mm-hmm. This this conversation went something like this. Honey, I don't mind if you have a car that you use for work and a fun car, but we can't do more than that. He's still got some currency there because he hasn't actually asked. Yeah, but that's uh, that. He's you're a smart man, Douglas, to know that that's kind of how that goes. I, well, bravo on that. Yeah. He knows he should never have bought the Fiat, not to say that he never should have bought a Fiat Spider, but just not this particular Spider. I love this description that he has here for he this says, car. Yeah. way more gone than he bargained for, but he's put a lot of time and money into it, and yeah. he's turned it into something mediocre. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. <laughs> I put a lot of time and money into this, and I've made it something mediocre. And we achieved mediocrity. Wow. Okay. He said, I'm not going to do that again, because the interior is still a mess. The engine leaks from just about any place that it's possible to leak from. But otherwise, it's solid. No, no, it's solid. He says it's solid as it sits in the garage, (laughs) looking great and leaking. It's in the category of let's go get ice cream kind of car. Not a let's go somewhere upstate for the weekend kind of car. And that terrifying let's get ice cream while I watch the oil gauge and I'm terrified that it's just going to run. And I can't actually enjoy that I'm here with you going to get ice cream because I think it's going to make it. (laughs) That's the category we're in here. So, the other options he's looking to replace both cars, he came up with a plan that calls for a Honda CRV or the new RAV4 as the daily. Okay. Two to three years old, low miles, certified Paul Own type of thing. Mm-hmm. They are boring and sensible, but that's okay because he's got a weekend car. Yeah. And so he said, I'd like the daily to have a bit more room and flexibility than just a four door sedan. Now, he said the A4 all roads are hard to find and expensive relative to the sedans. Mm-hmm. And he think it'd be something other than the Audi this time just to change things up. I think you should. I think you should. So this is why he's thinking the Japanese competence in the slightly tall wagon form. But then he thought he'd solved his problem. This is the thing about Doug's story. He keeps going, oh, and I solved it. I I solved it. And then, no, I didn't. (laughs) He was going to do upgrades to the Fiat, buy a BMW 1 or 2 Series convertible. He was going to get the RAV4 CRV. Then he was at the BMW dealer and he drove the BMW X1 and X3 and went, no, 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 I want one of these. Mm. It's essentially BMW makes the lifted hatchbacks. And he likes them both. He prefers the three. It is a slightly nicer car, but he can find slightly used ones for about $25,000. And so now he's really, really leaning toward the BMW X1 or X3 as his daily. So now everything's up in the air again because he doesn't want to get a BMW 1 or 2 Series as the fun car because now he's got an all-BMW garage. Shouldn't he branch out? Yes, you should. The RAV4 CRV are right out the window. 
and the Fiat is still leaking in the garage. So what do we do? I mean, the Fiat will leak. No matter what you do, you go put to sleep, in, it leaks. Put it in someone else's garage. You wake up, Get it out it of leaks. your garage. I have a solve here. <laughs> All right. So now he wants to get maybe a BMW convertible. So that's the other problem. What if he has two BMWs in the garage? Not going to happen. All right. So he doesn't want to do that. He rules out Miatas and Boxsters because of the dog. He needs a backseat for the dog. So he's thinking about, you know, somebody gave me an MR2 convertible, fine. But same thing for the Miata RF. They're gorgeous. He's okay with offbeat cars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he likes driving cars that no one else does, which is how he ended up with a Fiat. (laughs) That's leaking in the garage. It's leaking. In all of its mediocrity. You eat breakfast, it's leaking. Mm -hmm. You go to work, it's leaking. What's happening over lunch? It's leaking. I've solved your problem. Have you? I think I might have too, but I'm very curious. Go look at the 2019 and newer Acura RDX hmm. because okay. slightly used, they're about twenty six, twenty seven thousand dollars and good change. Job. Good job. So it's not quite the thirty you were thinking of for the X three because mm-hmm. yeah, you can go down the rabbit hole a quickly. lot. Quickly, BMWs quickly. get expensive. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The RDX is phenomenal. It drives well. It's got space, well built, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. you're going to have to go twenty nineteen and newer to get rid of. The rhinoplasty, the beak okay, on sure. the prior yeah, yeah. RDXs, yeah, 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 sure. but the new one looks great. Mm-hmm. Drives well. Yeah. They really do. Yeah, the yeah, tech, yeah. all-wheel drive, it's they're the, it's awesome. the che- We were just talking Porsche. It's the cheaper Macan. It really is. It's like yeah. 75 80% of a Macan for half the price. It's spacious. Yeah. It solves your Japanese desire for mm-hmm. the reliability That's and just really the good. comfort. I like that a lot. But they're, really they're luxurious enough where I think you wouldn't miss the BMW. Mm. It'd be like, yeah, I thought about those, but maybe in the future. I love my Acura. RDX. Well done. I like that. Thank you, because then you can go after a Sunbeam Tiger and bring a trailer that might leak. But your situation is perfect. So what you need to do is lie in wait for your next offbeat car. And this is assuming you get rid of both, both cars. Fiat goes, lie right? in wait. I love this. You're lying, go on. For your, you're lying in wait with a growing pile of money, <laughs> which means... Which never happens to any enthusiast <laughs> ever. But keep Come going, on. yeah. Which means you can get an inexpensive 996 Cabriolet for about 25 grand, or maybe mm. 20. Mm. Suddenly you're driving a Porsche Cabriolet that's your go-get ice cream car with a dog in the back seat and... That's that sounds ideal. You did well. Or at the top end, my my final call a friend. This is this is it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You keep lying in wait with your growing pile of cash <laughs> until you're a bring a trailer assassin. I like it. Keep going <laughs> until you buy the cheapest Aston Martin Vantage convertible you can find, Ooh. which currently is a 2008 with 15,000 miles manual transmission for $46,000. But just think mm. how expensive they were brand new <laughs> and who's going to be rocking an Aston Martin convertible with that sound coming out the back yeah. with your dog and your girl and okay all right then well done then let's do it well done uh, i have another way i want to go here but i like this it's very very good so you like the x1 and x3 okay all right by the way did you drive the x2 because that's even more hatchback but anyway but you can't get them used you can't BMW get them used makes enough. a niche between the yeah, ones you suggested they're going to make a one five and like a two five in a minute I'm anyway shocked. Yeah. no but the, the the x1 and x3 the deal is you can get them at your price point so i totally get that i think there's nothing really wrong with those choices okay if you like that get that i don't think the bmw one or two series convertible is right for you i want to go other places brief side note on dogs 
I have spoiled dogs. <laughs> yeah, you do. I have spoiled dogs. Your I will dogs tell you live how better far, than many people. I'll tell you how far the spoilage has gone. You Uh-oh. haven't even heard this yet. Uh-oh. My son recently had the flu. Okay. My wife bought an electric blanket for him to be under because he was very cold. Okay. My son's dog is about two years old, hyper as can possibly be, sweet as can be, has fully embraced the fact that he was a rescue dog and he has been rescued into heaven, my friends. Yeah, he, he has. used to dig out of dumpsters. He does not do that anymore. The amount of food that goes through that dog. This dog, when my son got up one day while having the flu and the electric blanket was on, discovered the electric blanket. This is the dog that is always just borderline cold. He'll like lay in the sun all day. He loves the electric blanket. Oh, my god! To the point that my wife and son will spread it out for him and turn on the electric blanket for the dog to lay on the couch. Come to me about spoiled dogs. All of that to say. Does she still make the omelet? No. She doesn't do the omelet thing well, anymore. That you remember a, the story about the, yeah. how you know your son wasn't finishing the breakfast, and then he decided to finish the omelet one day, and the yeah. dogs were looking at him like, "No omelet scraps," and so she turned the stove back on and go make the dogs an That's, omelet. Spoiled dogs, folks. Yeah, spoiled yeah. dogs. That that does not include my thirteen-year-old, almost fourteen-year-old dog. She's awesome, and she just keeps on being awesome. So yeah, we have spoiled dogs. The the point I'm making here is with that amount of dog spoiling going on in my life, <laughs> there's cars the dogs just don't get to go in. And that's okay. Hmm. You're trying to make sure you buy a car the dog goes in. And my question is, why? Can't you have a car that you and your girlfriend just take somewhere? Does the 60-pound dog have to go? Do you have no dog sitters? Can the dog not be at home alone? I mean, again, I have spoiled dogs. (laughs) And there are cars the dogs are just not allowed in. And I'm okay (laughs) with that. So I'm, I'm giving you that challenge because you've talked about a lot of cars that you're intrigued by, like the Miata RF, like boxers and these kind of things, that are great cars. And he said, but it won't but I can't take my girlfriend and the dog. And my question is, just take one of them. Just take your girlfriend. Go for ice cream with your girlfriend. Leave the dog at home. I'm just bringing it up. Yeah. So there you go, Doug. So there's my rant on dogs. And I love dogs, clearly. I, <clears throat> lots of spoiling is going on. So convertibles for you. You like oddball. You have a it's leaking into the floor Fiat. Get rid of that Fiat. <laughs> Get please. it out of the garage. Get a Fiat 124 convertible. Oh, there you go. There you go. Because it's not quite the Miata. Yeah. You keep with the Fiat look. You keep with that history. You get a 124 convertible used turbo motor. Enjoy that car. It's just going to run. Enjoy that car. Like that? I, so that, that works. If you have to have a back seat, you could do a Fiat 500 Abarth convertible. Oh, that's good. It keeps with the Fiat theme. I like you that. You could do that as well. I do think you would like a normal Miata or a Boxster because the dog can stay home. <laughs> but my favorite that if you're spending 25, you're almost there because the convertibles don't hold their value as well as everybody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shop 997 911 convertibles. Could you get into one? I think he's just under. If you I could, I definitely recommend 997. I was thinking 25 for a 996. Six-speed six manual. Yeah. The convertibles never hold their value as well as everybody else. I typically wouldn't recommend a convertible, but now it is you and your girlfriend and the dog. Oh, the questions. This is not an all-question podcast, but oh, the questions. I have to start with Derek Miller. Okay. This could be a 25-minute answer. I'm going to try to make it short. Okay. Derek asked on Facebook, would we share a pivotal car moment or moments from when you were a kid? Okay. This could be long. I can right. think of two. All right. When I, when I was a kid below the age of 10, from age three and a half to age 10, essentially all of my childhood, like real child memories, I was living in England. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My dad was working for Exxon. We, his especially was the North Sea. We lived over there. 
he had various people he met from the kind of work he was doing. And he met a guy in England that had a decent amount of money. And my dad had a pilot's license for a while, flew for a while. This guy had a glider. Okay. Okay. Tow it up glider. So we went out to do rides in this glider once. That's Very cool. cool. That's cool. He also liked sports cars. Love it. He had a Jensen Interceptor. Really? Which at the time, I looked at it as a kid thinking you have a fast sports car and it pulled up. Look up a Jensen Interceptor. It kind of looks like I'm insulting it, but trust me, I know it's not like this. It kind of looks like the better version of a Gremlin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not a sexy sports car. It's an shape. acquired taste, but they sound great. They sound great, and they go fast. Car. Yeah. My dad, it drove up, and I was kind of like, "What is this now?" Okay, I didn't. It didn't connect to the sports car of it. Discerning but, taste. But my dad thought, "Okay, let's put you in this thing." So he put me in the passenger seat. Of course, this is passenger seat. It's not like a car seat. I couldn't even see out. Oh my god! But he, he thundered us down the runway at well over a hundred. In the Jensen because it was a big, long runway we used for gliders. Oh, that's cool. And I didn't know until I was a car guy years later, and I saw a picture of a Jensen Interceptor, and it was, like, stored in the back of my I had no idea what the car was called. Wow. I didn't remember. Wow. I was less than 10 years old. I saw a picture in the last decade and went, that's the car. There it is. No way. So I remember that, that drive at well that's over 100, because my dad did not drive that way. My dad owned a couple of Jaguar E-types. And it wasn't until about 18 months ago I'd ever even driven one. Yeah. But I have a very strong memory of sitting in the passenger seat when my dad drove that car. And this is going to sound weird, but look up pictures of a Jaguar E-Type. They have very small doors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the the latch to pull the door open is this crazy well-designed curled thing really low on the door. Yeah. And here I was a kid unable to really see out. And I have a vivid memory of only seeing the door panel and staring at that really well-styled door handle and thinking it was cool when my dad drove. That's, There's two. That's awesome. Do you think living in England sort of gave you your love for British cars? Or just because, I mean, you like minis, you like low tie, you like Jags, Astons. I mean, it gave me, that's great, great question. It gave me my love for the Jaguar E-Type because of my dad and living in England and all that connection. But when I lived in England, there was a, there was a, here's another one. There was a neighborhood just connected to mine that always rode my bike through. And there was a guy, I told this story before, there was a guy that had a white and blue, exactly like you picture, 57 Chevy. Okay. This is the late 1970s, early 1980s in England. That's an alien spaceship there. Exactly it was. And I would stop my bike and stare at that car. That's cool. Because I was aware it was an old American car. It was like yeah. this weird across-the-ages connection to the place that I was born but didn't know very well. And it looked like nothing else in England in the late 70s, early 80s. Are you kidding? Everything was just brown. Okay? <laughs> so so that car as well. Now, I think the reason I, I love British cars so much is because they have the aesthetic of small and light. And once I got away sure. from my dad sure. buying a line of Caprice Classics where nothing was small and light, and once I discovered small and light, I realized that's who makes them. Mm. Interesting. All right, uh, really good questions here. Starting on Facebook, Alvaro Matos is asking if electrification of cars is ruining the tradition of fathers Hmm. working on cars with their children. Fortunately, no. I don't think it will ever because the... The thought of working on a classic car and buying... We just talked about Doug's store. He wants an Mm -hmm. offbeat car. And the proliferation of auctions and the proliferation of car builders doing rest of mods or just restoring old cars. The, the crowds alone at the SEMA show tell me yeah. 
that there's so many people into restoring and continuing their tradition of classic cars, the 60s, the 70s, and that's only going to continue, that it doesn't matter what comes at us from an electric standpoint. There's so many of these cool classic cars out there, and there's still so many that haven't reached the auction block and gone nuts like 911s. Mm. There's still the MGs, and there's still you know old Corvettes, you know the C4 Corvettes, and you know these ones that are still attainable, and we mm. can still do stuff to them, and you know they're wrenchable. They're small block Chevy, you know that kind of thing. Sure, yeah, yeah. And just the proliferation of brands and companies that suddenly you can almost build an entire Mustang, a '65 Mustang from parts at the SEMA show. <laughs> you can. I mean, there's engine suspensions, you tires, start, wheels. Start build wood from there's the ground up. Yep. All the the stampings of the body. There's chassis, everything. You yeah. probably could. Yeah, you can. You, you can. could probably you could go so far go as to one. now yeah. actually do custom different models. So the <laughs> you answer, built a business model by accident. <laughs> honestly, with the proliferation that we've seen and the growth of auctions, just the auction houses alone, and and how many cars are going across the block, and the mm. interest in mm. auctions. I say no. Interesting. I wonder because of obviously you're going to have have to have a father or son situation or a father daughter situation where both of you really like cars that much. Unless you're going to flip the laptop open and be like, "We're going to reprogram this sucker." That was my next thought. <laughs> is you're not actually sitting at the garage; you're where the cars in the garage. Exactly. You and your your kid are sitting on, you know, side by side on laptops on the couch, going, "Yeah, we're working on the car." Exactly. Your wife walks through and goes, "Really." How, how fast do you want the acceleration to be, honey? I mean, okay, so the, the option over here is that's going to decrease our mileage range over here do by this, this amount. Do this pull-down menu. You know, we're going to hurt ourselves. It's going to accelerate so fast. See how it recalculates? That's a frightening, frightening thought. <laughs> There's still Hellcats to be vintage cars. Hellcats are coming at us from they're, a classic standpoint. They're getting down to Come 35. On. I'm telling you, buy a deadbolt now. <laughs> be frightened. Be very, very frightened. All right, what do you got? Got so many good ones. I'm not going to cover most of them, but let's see. Uh, Damien asked me on Facebook, what cars can I compare power-wise to my Lotus? Hmm. I actually think one of the closest correlations is the Honda S2000. Okay. All right. Has similar amount of surge in feel, but you have to wind it out to find it. You got to get up on the Honda case, up into VTEC on, on the Lotus. You got to get up to the second cam. That has probably some of the most similar kind of engine pull dynamics of the Lotus as far as sports cars that I can think of. So that's my quick answer there. Uh, there's a question here from Pulp Freak asking me if there's a design term for the headlights extending all the way to the front grille like the Mazda CX-5 and the sixth-generation BMW 3 Series, why is this design element so eye-catching to him? Well, it's certainly different. It's not something all the car manufacturers try and pull off. I don't like it on that BMW because they get awfully pinched, and it just seems like a fussy decision. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the CX-5, I think it works very nicely, and they've integrated it with a nice trim element that breaks up the surfaces. So for me, it very much depends. But to answer your question, no, there's not really a name. It's just simply the styling element and the way all those elements interact with each other. You can just describe it by terminology and the headlights intersect here and they, you know, ramp up and they butt into the grill or, you know, you can talk like that to describe it, but there's not necessarily a design term for that. Let's see what else I've got here. Uh, you know what? Uh, there's this question, uh, Ben, we already kind of covered this best enthusiast SUV. For under $25,000. Two kids in Southern California. So he's actually got SUV needs. I really think that the Cayenne needs a serious look. 
they've been out long enough that you can get a Cayenne yeah. for under twenty five grand. You can yeah. probably get a first gen like I have. So shop uh, 09, 2010. You can get a really nice one for twenty five. You can even almost be touching the second gen starting at twenty eleven for that. They are reliable. You're going to get the V6 at this kind of money, but that's fine. You're going to enjoy it. All right. There's a question on Facebook from Emir LaRoya asking if the new engine that is in the Miata, with this new engine being released, would it be foolish to buy an ND Miata without the new engine? And does this lower the resale value of the less powerful models? To be honest, no, I, I don't think so. I think they'll just actually just be a tier down for the for the resale value of what those models will be. Mm. In comparison to the cars equipped with the new engine, they'll just they'll still remain at their own level over here, which is fine because if you like that lightweight but yet underpowered kind of feel, which I don't really like. I like lightweight, but I want power to go with it, which is why the new RF with the new engine was such a revelation to me. I'd love to figure out the the actual dynamics from, you know, that new engine based on the the amount of power that added 26 pound 26 horsepower mm. to the weight of that car what is the percentage more right mm, and calculate that and yeah. then apply that to okay to get that same feeling in larger heavier more powerful cars what are we talking so you're talking about the power to weight ratio you want to get it for sure for going. sure yeah, like, I see it. I what see is it, that yeah. ratio essentially but connect that to the the fun and the percentage that i loved it this much more mm. based on the metrics of this car it only took 26 horsepower for me to do that but it, it would be more on larger heavier cars Interesting. because the rf weighs yeah, so much yeah. less than whatever whatever car but no i i don't think it will and if you like how it drives buy the car Two questions that relate, one on Facebook, one on Instagram. Christopher Ord said, what car would you buy for $10,000 that meets the following requirements? Manual, backseat, rear-wheel drive, reliable. He's looked at the 135i, decided against it because he's worried about reliability, doesn't want a WRX, doesn't want an Econo box. Mm. You know what's down here? $10,000? Get a 2013 first year Scion FRS. They're out there for ten grand. I have a. Are page they really? Of, I've got a page of for them in front of me now? right now on Auto Tempest. I have a page of them. They've all got between about oh, seventy five and a hundred and something thousand miles. But multiple. I've got. Look, I've got everything. I put a cap in here of wow. twelve thousand dollars just to see. I have got pages in front of me. To That's the point a, that I want to go buy another. This is a milestone. That just We've gets, reached the point. That just grand. gets it done right there. So you can get that for, car for ten uh, grand, and it does have a backseat that gets it solved, which gets it to Hizzity on Instagram. Says with a budget of twenty grand, he's buying a used FRS BRZ. He wants to put a supercharger on it, better tires, better pads and fluid. It's twenty grand all in. Is there a better bang for my buck? There, it's hard to argue another car than that. Mm. Honestly, mm-hmm. because of the lightweight. I mean, you could get. A Pontiac Solstice for super cheap. You can get Miatas for super cheap. You go back far enough, you can get Corvettes for super cheap. But as far as newness and ability to tune, I do think that car is starting to be in a class by itself. Lots of, tons of, so, so cheap here. I'm going, do I need another (laughs) one? So cheap, so cheap. Do I need another one? There's multiple under 10 grand. Here's one $8,500 for 75,000 miles. Did you just say, do I need another one? Because the answer is always yes. Well, the answer should be yes to that question, but you know. Yeah, anyway, lots of them for 10 grand. Here they are. Guys, thank you so much for your questions. We'll end it there. There's still more we need to cover, and we'll definitely get to those. Please keep asking and send your debates to everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or you can find us under the About tab on the website. There's a contact button right there. 
it syndicates, it aggregates all mm-hmm. of those emails to our inbox as well. So you can email your debate there as well. Your car conclusions, which you guys have, your future topic Tuesdays that you want us to cover. I'll give, I'll take a cue of those. Let's, let's build up it. the list of it. those for sure. And uh, also, if you just want to drop us a line and you want to say hello, we definitely see everything. So mm-hmm. really appreciate all your support. And uh, we're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.